Welcome to Tricky Fish, a conversation between a millennial daughter and her Gen X dad. Here's your hosts, Rhiannon and Ian. Okay, so whenever you have this like bout of existentialism and you ask yourself, what can I do to fix the world, right? We all hopefully reach this point where we just ask ourselves, you know, John, John F. Kennedy, J.F. Kennedy? John F. Kennedy? Yeah, yeah, JFK. Ask not what you can do for your country, but what you're... Oh, no. Ask not, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Exactly. So right. if maybe not so patriotic, but at least that idea, right? right. I came up with a plan. Oh, okay. I got to hear now, this. Now, I do want to disclaimer that I have done practically no research. So this is purely just hypothetical if... The stars aligned the way I wanted them to. This would be a dope way to fix the world. All right. Kind of idea. I do know that when we decide on a topic, we don't talk about that topic beforehand. So we're clean what comes in there. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say that I had no idea how to formulate this topic (laughs) in a way that allowed me to even do any kind of like prep prep work for it so yeah. this is going to be completely by the seat of my pants but hey it'll <laughs> as, be one of those as it is for them though you're just sure. you're along for the ride with them all right sounds good okay so anytime any issue is discussed budget is the first thing people use to deny or reject an idea saying sure. where is that money going to come from right so one day i was thinking about how much i hate mosquitoes like i hate them so fucking much <laughs> okay and I don't understand why they exist, because if you look at any part of the circle of life, the human or animal correlation of any kind, why do mosquitoes exist, right? People made the argument that it's a food source for things, but that I did do research on because that's how much I hate mosquitoes. I wanted to be able to justify their existence. I wanted to know why they were here. I did look it up. Okay. Every single thing that eats mosquitoes eats something else as well. Mosquitoes are not a necessary food source. There literally is no fucking reason this goddamn thing exists. Anything that does eat it can fully survive off of literally other every other food source that it has. Mosquitoes is just a, oh, it's also a bug I can eat as well. Okay. So let's say somehow there is technology, because you know the future is now and whatnot, Sure. That we were able to completely destroy this species. And as a human race, we've done this a lot to many more important things to the ecosystems. So I don't understand why this already hasn't been prioritized. But if we completely obliterated mosquitoes, malaria would no longer be an issue. Okay, so two things on that. First of all, I think that everything that exists has evolved for a specific purpose or purposes. And even if we don't know what the purpose is for mosquitoes, there has to be a reason. I mean, beyond just being a food source. Right. But they're so old. They're like prehistoric. If, if not that old, they have been around that for quite a long time. So maybe the need for them, the reason for their existence is no longer here. Maybe that's one of the things that we may go extinct. So now this population goes unchecked. But the thing is with nature is if nature doesn't need something, or if a species ceases to be important to an eco- ecosystem, like it eventually will go extinct on its own. So Not to argue in, to argue in favor of mosquitoes, okay, and I'll admit they're annoying. 
So <laughs> like it sucks. You're just out minding your own business. You go hiking and then you come back and you're covered with welts because these things no, decided I, to snack. No, I genuinely like I, I genuinely think that whatever was supposed to keep mosquitoes in check doesn't exist anymore because there is nothing that does properly currently. But aside from that, we're totally not even at the end of my point yet. <laughs> Okay, well, let me just tell you the second thing first. I feel like if we completely eradicate it, we could potentially be upsetting a balance somewhere that we're not aware of. So I'm just going to put that out there. That's fair. But like I said, I did do research on that. And as far as any studies have shown, and I I did this research several years ago because I was particularly pissed off after a 4th of July weekend where I was swarmed by them and covered in bites. But... All the studies that have been done thus far don't show that they are important to any of the current food chains or that there would be any kind of detriment to them not being there. They just kind of are. And so with that, I got a whole new layer of rage because I was already upset that maybe mosquitoes were pointless, but now I knew for sure that they weren't, that they like didn't have to be here, right? So if we were able to completely wipe out mosquitoes... In theory, malaria would no be a, no longer be a problem, right? So now the funding issue is taken care of because instead of having to re-budget and reprioritize, that healthcare industry can be absorbed into a different healthcare industry that's not necessarily malaria. And I just pulled up the CDC website that says it costs been estimated to be at least twelve billion dollars per year in U.S. money. Okay, let me, like, let me. How crazy would that be to go into any other part of the med- of the like medical field instead of malaria? If we could eradicate the most useless insect that exists. Okay, well, on that, another two things. First thing is, just because you eliminate mosquitoes does not necessarily mean that you eliminate malaria, because malaria can, as an evolutionary thing, it can develop other infection vectors. Like, for example, COVID. I'm not sure where COVID came from, but my last known thing was that the, the it came from bats. Mm-hmm. Okay. So somehow the it jumped from bats to human. Now, I'm not going to talk about whether it was because we ate bats or because we kept bats as a pet or whatever. Like, that's not the point. The point is, is that there's been a lot, there's a lot of different strains of COVID. Mm-hmm. And this particular strain figured out how to jump how to make the jump from bats to humans. Right. So the second thing is I did look this up because I was really curious. <laughs> I'd never thought about this before, to be honest. But uh, according to the National Wildlife Federation's blog, mosquitoes are pollinators. Oh, no. Yes. It says this This is directly from their, so their blog. Believe That's it a or really not, important purpose, and I'm so angry about it. <laughs> so, but it says, believe it or not, mosquitoes are pollinators. In fact, mosquitoes' primary food source is flower nectar, not blood. Just like bees or butterflies, mosquitoes transfer pollen from flower to flower as they feed on nectar, fertilizing plants, and allowing them to form seeds and reproduce. It's only when a female mosquito lays eggs does she seek a blood meal for the protein. Males feed only on flower nectar and never bite. So wait. What is, what's happening to the eggs? Where are those going? They lay them in like stagnant water. And then they use the, the blood to like do that process. So it's not involved with my body at all? Well, they're just taking your blood to help feed the eggs is my guess. Okay. Okay. Which I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, now makes me feel incredibly bad because you get bit by a mosquito and then you slap it and you kill it. I'm killing pregnant mothers. That's... <laughs> 
horribly depressing. And I'm laughing about it. And I don't mean to laugh about it, but that is incredibly dark. And that's how I'm handling this. And the look on my face is why I thought that we might benefit from filming this with a camera to put on like YouTube or something so people could see <laughs> the absolute like traumatized look on my face right now. We'll we'll upgrade the video later. Oh my she, god. For our, our listeners. I'm so upset about this. I'm Jeez. I'm just like internally processing this because oh my god, no. Well, I feel that this is very important. Why wasn't this because... information brought to me when I did my research like 5 years ago because I've been carrying this rage this whole time. <laughs> But if I had known that it was pregnant moms who literally did it once just for the sake of their babies, I would be, I mean, I'm still annoyed by it, but I'm less vengeful about it. Well, but like you said, when you kill them, you're killing pregnant moms. Yeah. And that's like finding out they're pollinators of school. Like that's a whole school bus of children just smashed. Yeah. You're where we're wiping out generations of mosquito babies. I mean, good because fuck mosquitoes. I still stand well, by no, that, but they're, but they're my, pollinators like, now. So, do you want to know what's insane? This is actually a great segue to a um, a way that I realized everything about me is a trauma response. <laughs> Real quick, before you get into that, I just want to say our listeners can totally stop listening at this point, and they will have walked away learning something. That's a success. <laughs> that is. That is. <laughs> I love how optimistic you're being about that. Sure, because I mean, we're all coming away this, from this. It's optimism or yeah. it's breaking down crying that I've killed <laughs> pregnant mothers. I respect that choice. <laughs> but, but go ahead, continue on. Okay, so I saw a post online somewhere, and just give a disclaimer on this conversation. This was a revelation that took several weeks to happen, and each step was kind of furthered along by a different post I saw on the internet. So the first one was something on the lines of how old were you when you realized that fawning was a trauma response no one told you about? And I looked it up and lo and behold, it's essentially taking emotional responsibility for everyone around you and like making that your responsibility to try and emotionally manage everyone and keep everyone in a good mood. When you say fawning, what do you mean? Fawning as maladaptive survival response. The fawn response is an instinctual response associated with a need to avoid conflict and trauma via appeasing behaviors. For children, fawning behaviors can be a maladaptive survival or coping response, which develops as a mean of coping with a non-nurturing or abusive parent. So essentially, it's just something along the lines of, I notice you're upset, so I go out of my way to clean something up so that I am helping to make you happy. Gotcha. You know, something like that. And I realized that I have that response with everything, even as a grown adult, when I felt sympathy for rocks. Are you ready for this roller coaster? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go. Okay. The first, like the next post that set this off was, imagine if rocks are soft until you touch them. And so I thought about it. And I was like, that is a wild concept because I love hanging out in rivers and lakes and things like that. So I regularly just hang out and touch rocks. But the idea that they exist a different way until I interact with them is kind of what started stressing me out. I wouldn't say stress. It just kind of got the gears turning a little bit. And I was thinking about that for a while. I'm like, that's a really interesting concept. Hmm. So you're saying that when we're not around, the rocks are just going about their own business. Just just, being soft. Just being soft. Whatever texture they want to be. And then the moment you touch them, they they become hard. They become rigid. Defense mechanism. I haven't got to defense mechanism yet, but we will get there. So hold on. I feel like that's toxic geology. 
Right. <laughs> okay, so the first thing is the rocks are whatever else until we touch them, they become rigid. And so then I thought like, okay, humans have this direct response against a rock to have that, right? I'm like, that's a little strange. And then a couple weeks later, another post, it said something on the lines of, when you throw a river into a lake, that's probably the last time it'll ever be touched by a human. So then... Wait, when you toss a river into the lake? Or a rock into the lake, okay. sorry. <laughs> sorry. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm just so hyped to explain this to somebody else. You're welcome, listeners, wanna... for me clearing that up, because yeah. I'm sure you were just totally thrown out by what? I'm so sorry, internet. <laughs> okay, so. The millennial mind, ladies and gentlemen. Imagine, well, I think I may have ADD personally, like undiagnosed. I am so suspicious of this. So if that makes sense for anyone, then here we are. But anyway, imagine rocks are whatever texture until you touch them, but then whenever you throw a rock into a lake or a river, it could be the last time it's ever touched by a human again. And mm -hmm. so then I had this internal debate for weeks where I was like, would a rock prefer that? Would they want to not ever be touched by humans again? Or do rocks like being appreciated and looked at and picked up and taken home and things like that? So then my first impulse, because physical touch is one of my love languages, I actually shared the post on Facebook and my caption said, catch me at the river touching all the rocks. I saw that. Yeah. Now I know what that was. I was like, what? Yeah, because I thought to myself, if someone threw me to the bottom of a lake and never touched me again, I would be dead and sad. Okay, let me flip that around, though. What if, as a rock, you get tossed into the lake? So you're looking at it as like, oh, I'm never going to be touched again. Like, that's a bad right, thing. because that's, what if, that's how I feel. But then I had that exact same question. Go ahead. What if, as a rock, you're like, man, I hate being touched by people. Exactly. So you get picked up, and you're just like, oh, this again. You get tossed out in the river or the ocean or whatever. And what if your response is not like, oh, crap, I'll never be touched again. I'd be like, oh, thank God I'll never be touched again. Exactly. And that is when I got to the defense part because I thought about it. And if you look at anything in nature that exists one way and then becomes stiff, rigid, pokey, whatever, uncomfortable, <laughs> Right. it's always a defense mechanism. It's never a, I just feel like getting hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, internet. I'm secretly five. Oh, but, um, my inner five-year-old like, laugh for sure. Things in nature that become stiff or rigid in any capacity, like in the animal world, it's right. always a defense mechanism. Right. So then I thought to myself, what if rocks don't want to be touched? So now here I am having an almost existential crisis because I can't decide for a rock if I should touch it or not, if I should throw it in a lake, if I should not, if I should take them home, if I should leave them where they are, because I can't ask. It's a goddamn rock. Okay. And then that is when I realized that I had fawning as a trauma response because here I am trying to take emotional responsibility to regulate for rocks. What about painted rocks? I mean, that's the whole other thing, too, because they're like rocks. The point of, of them is to just exist like it's nature. We're on a gigantic rock and it's a mini version of the thing that we're on. So technically you're trespassing because you don't have express consent, but it's a rock. So <laughs> you see what I you mean? Know, since starting this podcast. OK, so you and I have always had really interesting conversations. So when we decided to make this podcast and just basically turn our conversations into episodes. Mm -hmm. Like it totally made sense. But like you take this that you're talking about and then you talk about in earlier episodes where you hate stickers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and you worry about whether they're having their purpose fulfilled. Update, it's like, 
I have started sticking stickers to things because my car broke down like five ever. I decided because I'm an adult and no one can stop me. We are now a family of electric scooters. Actually, um, we have one for me and Paul, and then we are also ordered one for Scar. Oh, so you got so an- another one? I'm gonna, I'm going to, yeah. So we're gonna have three electric scooters, and we're just gonna mob around like a little electric scooter family. Not to get too far out, I gotta say, I saw the scooter that you had, and it's dope, right? I, it is dope. It is so cool. I'm thinking about getting one myself. <laughs> it's so cool. But and um, they do have a one seater version, but not to get too distracted. Oh man, I just exactly lost my train of thought. No, we were talking about so the rocks. And then oh, the yeah, stickers. No, stickers. So my, my motorcycle helmet, I made sure that we all had motorcycle helmets because we're going to be in bike lanes. I'm not even trying to risk that. I stuffed so many stickers to my motorcycle helmet. And when I get my scooter, I'm going to put a bunch of stickers on that too. And I specifically ordered stickers for it okay. to face so, this sticker stress. <laughs> watch me throw a wrench into this. Oh, no. Okay. So you stuck the stickers on the helmet. Yeah. How do you know that one, that fulfilled their purpose, and two... That you fulfilled their purpose in a way that the stickers have a good self-esteem because <laughs> you put it on the helmet. Self-esteem of but the this maybe is how the, you know you've been talking to me too long <laughs> if you're worried about the self-esteem of stickers. But By the way, well any made. of our millennial listeners, feel free to chime in on our Twitter and let us know if you feel the same way. And for the record, I do collect pins, enamel pins, because they are like stickers, but without the anxiety because I can move them whenever I want. True. Now, <laughs> the stickers, okay, maybe they didn't want to be stuck on a helmet. Maybe they wanted to be stuck on a car or a notebook or a computer. That's very fair, but that is also granting stickers sentience, which I was going more with like energy, not oh, intelligence. You're yo, oh, I was approaching it from intelligence. Yeah. That yeah. see, it's a generational thing, I guess. Yeah. Well, I've noticed humans do that a lot where we compare our like the intelligence of everything else to the intelligence intelligence of humans and we definitely anthropomorphize stuff for sure yeah and so I, I actually i tweeted the other day that i wonder how intelligent animals would be if we stopped comparing them to humans because we compare like dogs and dolphins and pigs and things like that but if you look at fish behavior they are so intelligent when you compare them to other fish in the realm of sure. things that exist like them well i think we do that because that's our baseline of yeah, but- reference that's our baseline references our intelligence but human experience is not the only one with your question (laughs) about the stickers i don't know anything about their purpose in life as far as if they would be happy with it now the way that i look at it is if the option is to either hang out in my desk drawer and just occasionally being appreciated when i feel like looking at stickers which is not very often or being stuck on my motorcycle helmet or my scooter and eventually wearing off and then getting stuck over, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like it would still want to be used in some capacity. Well, they get to live a, a life of adventure that maybe some yeah. other stickers don't. Sure. I've been looking at myself this way to try to modify my self-care a little bit. And that progress is still progress, even sure. if it's not what you originally wanted. So yeah, absolutely. with my anxiety about stickers of what if I find somewhere better, like, Sure. You could hypothetically find somewhere better, but being stuck on this second place is better than never being stuck at all. That's true. By the way, I apologize on that creak for the that you hear in the background. This chair is being ridiculously stupid today for some reason. But going back to our original about the rocks topic, no, moving past. Oh, even even before that. Yeah, we were talking about let's just get rid of mosquitoes oh, before yeah. we found out that they were pregnant mothers and yes. actually have a legit 
bring me back to that emotional distraught. State. So, and Please. then they're pollinators. So, see, if we destroy them, then we are. I mean, messing maybe, with in much the same way that destroying the bees. Okay, I was gonna say, can we just destroy the mosquitoes and also prioritize the bees? No, two birds, one. <laughs> I'm gonna say <laughs> no insects, because one for one, I don't think bees exist everywhere. I could be wrong on that. And I don't think that mosquitoes exist everywhere. I could also be wrong on that. <laughs> but even if they all Tricky exist fish. in the same... We can, we can be wrong, but we're going to keep talking. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we call ourselves tricky fish. It's a tricky fish. <laughs> what if what bees pollinate is not the same thing as what mosquitoes pollinate? Mm, and you need both true. of those for the respective pollinizations. You know what? Mother Nature, checkmate. I respectfully withdraw my criticism jesus <laughs> i'm upset about it but i'll accept it and deal with it uh see look at that. i didn't even know anything about yeah. to prepare for this and i'm already like shooting down like your whole it's almost like thing. my childhood <laughs> ouch <laughs> oh I'm kidding. Oh. Oh. Here, here's that here's that dagger you just put in my heart here you go <laughs> Here, I brought some freshly squeezed lemons. Psst, psst, psst. Oh, ah, that's that's even worse. I when just your not... daughter gives you lemons. Well, I'm obviously in pain. <laughs> <laughs> but I will I will use it to make lemonade to these tears. <laughs> Maybe that's the secret ingredient is tears. Tears? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I, I've heard blood, sweat, and tears go into a lot of things. I've heard those are common witchcraft ingredients. Yeah, I don't know who said blood, sweat, and tears is the thing you should be putting into stuff because it's like, well, and I why mean, those bodily fluids? Not, why not other bodily fluids? Actually, not even witchcraft related, but in general, people are like, I put my blood, sweat, and tears into this. Maybe I'm referencing too old of a movie, but I remember in Matilda. A good movie, by the way. There was that gigantic chocolate cake. <laughs> yeah. And I, she goes, she put her blood, sweat, and tears into that cake. So if you want a piece, you're going to eat a piece. And then makes it eat the whole thing. And every time I try to eat a chocolate cake, and it is an actual just a slice, I can never finish it. So I am so proud of that hypothetical child. I'm not a... And he's probably diabetic. Like, yeah, but extremely uh, probably after that movie. after that. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not a big chocolate fan, but whenever I see a chocolate cake, I instantly think of that movie every time. Mm -hmm. I, as a, well, I mean, I mean, I have female body parts. I do really enjoy chocolate, especially around Shark Week related times. And I, when I went to Ireland with my mom a couple years ago, we went to this really cute, like, historical town that also had a little cough, cafe, cough. Oh cafe. Oh my God. I'm so sorry, internet. A coffee cafe. <laughs> Do they even have those in Ireland? I imagine like everything's a pub there. I mean, it looked like a small town bakery that just was selling modern day that had like fridges and things like that. It the was like a cafe. historical town. Yeah. And it was the best chocolate cake I've ever eaten in my entire life was from that cafe. You know why? And I have photos too where like I'm literally moaning into my fork being like, oh my God. <laughs> and Kathy's uh, just taking pictures of me. And she, I'm so grateful that she got it because it was delicious hot chocolate. And then that cake and we got a different piece of cake too where we're like sharing them. And that chocolate cake was so good. But everything in Ireland was amazing. So I'm not surprised. They do chocolate a little bit different than over there than they do over here. I've mm -hmm. actually had 
chocolate imported, mm-hmm. not necessarily from Ireland, but from over in Europe. Yeah. And it is, in my opinion, vastly superior to what we get. Oh, absolutely. There's not a lot of sugar in yeah. it. And there's a lot of sugar. There's sugar in things that we eat. I was eating an Oscar Mayer hot dog the other day. And there's sugar in those too. Well, uh, there's, yeah. There's corn. There's like I've, two I've grams of sugar. Corn syrup. Do you remember when you made me watch that documentary about corn when I was a kid? I do. Yeah. I think about corn every time I eat and I'm angry about it. <laughs> All right. So I got to give this, I got to tell our <laughs> listeners because they're like, what? So back when you were growing up, I personally love documentaries. I do too. I, I still watch them all the time. And there was a documentary that was all about corn. And I initially watched it because I was like, how do you make a documentary about corn? You can make it a was, documentary about anything. Okay. But how do you make it where it's like. Interesting. Interesting that you ha- learn something or whatever. I'm like, corn is like one of the most boring things ever. I mean, it's it's tasty. It's Some not like. farmers would like to disagree with you, I am certain. Oh, I'm sure there's farmers out there like, what are you talking about? Corn's exciting. <laughs> but, but no, and I was just like, what? How is this? And I started watching it. And the information that I got off there, I'm like, oh, my God. So basically, the gist of the documentary, because I don't remember the name of the documentary but the gist of the documentary was basically that there was a time when our food source was just natural Mm -hmm. and we didn't eat a lot of meat cows didn't produce a lot of this was before gmos were really a thing people were worried about this is way before gmos yeah this is also before i want to say world war ii for sure but i think it might have been before world war one but what happened we were watching this documentary before gmos were really a thing we were like I Correct. remember hearing about it a lot and a lot of moms online being upset about them. Uh, but this, I think this was when we started, just started becoming aware of GMOs. Which is really funny that people get upset about that because most of our food Everything. has yeah. GMOs in it. It's yeah. like, you know. The GMO stands for like g- genetically modified something. I think it's genetically modified organism or something like that. Okay. But it is genetically modified. Yes. But yes, we, mm-hmm. we've done that long before it was a thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they found that by feeding corn to cattle, it made the cattle get fatter Mm -hmm. and thus produce more meat. So that's where it started turning, where we started seeing more meat on the table, becoming more of a staple of our diets versus kind of a more vegetarian-leaning diet. Mm -hmm. And they were linking it with the rise of obesity. Actually, I was just thinking, I remember watching this right around the same time as Super Size Me came out. Yeah, we've been right around that, that time. McDonald's challenge. So it was like that same realm. Right. Line. Yeah. It really opened my eyes like about how much corn is in our thing. And they were basically like, so you feed the corn to the cattle mm-hmm. and that's in the cattle, you know, in the meat of the cattle. Right. And then we consume the meat and now we are also consuming that as well. Mm-hmm. And then they were talking about how the corn industry... Big corn, <laughs> corn industry, corn mafia. yeah, the corn mafia, like they, they did kind of work it to where you corn was, they had to do something with like, oh, here's the surplus thing. of corn. And that's where it all started. They started making high fructose corn syrup yeah, where it's corn and sugar. Yeah. So corn is basically yeah. a sugar, it's just a sugar and a well, fiber. It's a starch. Starch, yeah. Yeah. Not a fiber, sorry. So there's, I mean, I'm sure there's some nutritional value to it, but it's arguably one of the lesser nutritional vegetables, and it really does more of like a filler, kind of like rice or potatoes. 
Yeah, it's definitely not something we should be consuming but, a lot of. But they turned it into high fructose corn syrup, and that was the one that was very common and like regularly used in things. But they've also come up with other versions of that that are all like called different things. So if you check the ingredients, you'll see corn starch, corn syrup, corn whatever. It's several different ways in yeah. one product. Yeah, because they're getting around that like no high fructose corn syrup. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's in there. It's, it's just, just called something different or like something along those lines. Yeah. Right. But uh, the reason I made you watch that was because the information in it, as much as it was like watching a corn documentary, <laughs> which I get as a kid, yeah. if somebody made me as a kid sit down and watch a documentary about corn, I'd be like, my, my parents hate me. You know, what's so funny <laughs> is now I have a rule with Scar where during school hours, especially right now that we're doing homeschool because of COVID. Mm hmm. She can watch TV when she's not actively in class as long as it's educational before 2.30 p.m. Because her last meeting is like 1 something and it's right. over like 1.30. Well, as so, long as we're learning. Yeah. So the whole point is that with this agreement, all of her homework has been turned in. All of her assignments have been done. She went to all of her meetings. So mm-hmm. if she wants to watch TV before school would normally be over, then it has to be something educational. That's good. I hope you're paying attention because there's a lot of stuff out there that's like teaching kids that dinosaurs and humans live together, which is like not true <laughs> oh, at all. I hate people And so it's not much, called the but, Flintstones. It's um, called something else, but creationism or so- something. We like actually have specific things she's allowed to watch. Um, okay. Either the documentary section, specifically like that section of Netflix or Hulu, because they have documentary sections too. Mm-hmm. But we also approved Drunk History. <laughs> Drunk History is actually pretty good. I'm surprised <laughs> that some of the, that. I have not watched all of them, but some of the ones that I have seen, I did fact check. And they're, they're, uh, they're, they're good. They're good. Yeah. I was surprised. I'm Even like, though they're drunk as hell. They're yeah. good. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's not bad. But so I have, I instituted this rule of she has to watch educational stuff during school hours and you're, and I remember being so annoyed that you're like, okay, time to watch a documentary about corn. And it was not the band. <laughs> it was corn C. I would have been okay with the other one. Like I would have been down for it. And uh then it, I was horrified because corn isn't everything and now that's gross and it haunts me to this day. Yes, but let me ask you this. With that knowledge, does that not also help you make better choices in what you consume? Absolutely not. I still eat a bag of funions in one sitting. I failed as a father. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my if, whole, if my diet habits are where you failed as a father, like <laughs> my whole plan of being a successful father hinged on that corn documentary. <laughs> like real talk, though, I was actually thinking like every parent causes some kind of trauma to their child. It's inevitable sure. just from from healing through your own trauma and working through that stuff. It's an, it's inevitably going to happen, and I, especially I think, like with us. There was a good chunk of your life where you were dealing with a mentally ill father that had not been diagnosed. And when yeah. you're dealing with mental illnesses that are not diagnosed, you don't have any way of like of knowing of or knowing like or how to. Yeah. yeah, not you don't have the language. You don't have the tools to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if you took me at the point when I was diagnosed, which was when you were in high school. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the damage had already been done. But if you just were somehow able to edit my life and take mm-hmm. me knowing about those illnesses and just reinserting me into a younger <laughs> time in your life. Yeah. I feel like you would have come out much better. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, you still have your. What's so funny is I've had that same thought so much. I'm like, I wish I could edit Dad's life and make it better. No, it honestly, because there have been times when we were when we were both younger, obviously, that you talked about how several times in your life you thought about running away to Seattle, and I always sometimes when I was particularly upset with. And taking uh, you with me. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, running away from the life that we had and, like, you and I just going to Seattle. I just want to make there. sure our listeners aren't going, oh, my God, he's going to be a deadbeat dad. <laughs> yeah. And told me about it. No. <laughs> no. So I remember you just telling me about, like, after <laughs> hey, you were. Hey, kid, I'm going out for milk and cigarettes and I'm not ever coming back. <laughs> that's a good I mean, life. that's not something to laugh about. But, like, no, it imagine isn't. Imagine getting that but... kind of, oh, man, that's so terrible. For anybody that's happened, I want to give you a hug. But anyway, For sure. yeah. the, the point I'm trying to make, um, I remember you and I were talking about the divorce after you and Kathy broke up. And you had mentioned how several times in both of our lives, you just thought like how life could have been different if you had relocated us to Seattle, just us. Mm-hmm. And I used to ask myself, like once you told me that, I used to ask myself all the time, like what could life have been like if that had changed? And so when I kind of had that realization that, we have to make choices based off of the information we have at the time. Right. We can't like beat ourselves up for not knowing what we know now. Like See, but, we had no way of knowing what we know now unless right. we experienced it. Right. So there have been times where I just asked myself, like, if you had gotten any kind of help sooner, if Kathy had gotten any kind of help sooner, if any of my therapists had actually been helpful, if any of the teachers at school had noticed anything, you know, like if, if anything had been different, what could have been different? Well, the thing is, I did go to therapists. I was seeing therapists. None of yeah, them but they weren't diagnosed it. And they weren't helpful. Yeah. None of mine in my childhood were really that helpful either. Yeah. So, I mean, in a kind of Disney Cinderella fantasy kind of thing, I imagine that we would have gone and our life would have been really great. But the, the, real is a, the, the realistic viewpoint here is that being undiagnosed, I still would have ended up in another place, just yeah. undiagnosed. And, and there's it would have no just been guarantee. Me and you. Yeah. Who knows what could have happened. Yeah. So, I mean, there's certain things I know I wouldn't have done. Yeah, but it's Seattle. Like, Seattle's expensive as fuck. It used to not be that bad to be gentrification happened. (laughs) Yes. But, like, the things I know for a fact would not have happened. I would never have killed you. I mean, that's comforting. (laughs) As a parent, I can't say the thought hasn't crossed my mind. But, but like, in a fantasy way, never really. Yes. Like, all... (laughs) Parents, whether they want to admit it or not, there are times that they think like, their, their kids just like, oh, I would <laughs> like Scarlett, kill if, my if she kid. ever someday hears, hears this, she knows that I love her. But like, Jesus Christ, children are so difficult sometimes. Well, someday she might have kids of her own and then she'll be giving you that call like, mom, you're right. I totally get it. I, I never wanted to be that person. I was like, I'm never going to call my parents and say that. But fuck, no, it's happened. It's happened. <laughs> oh, oh I remember when you called and told me that. I laughed so hard. I'm like, yes. That's every parent, though. Every parent gets that call. Like, oh, mom, dad, you're right. Like, ha, I told you. But um, but no, I know that I would not have killed you. Well, okay, that's good. <laughs> I even remember used to telling you, like, I would break your fingers. Yeah. Like, I would not actually you break your fingers. Your, your toes. But yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. But you, was, just, you just threatened mild torture. But yeah. But I mean, it was not anything. Something but, about the Geneva Convention. But what I'm saying is, in that, it's like those are the absolutes I know would never have happened. Yeah. That I can say 100% would not have ever happened. Beyond that, though, in the way that you were treated, there are specific instances, like the salami, that bullshit salami mm-hmm. sandwich mm-hmm. thing that would not have occurred 
Yeah. Okay, because that's that's I think an incident specific to. I honestly feel like a lot of the elevated things was because I remember after arguments where she like the other person would come and argue that you didn't punish me enough or that you punished me too much, and so if you have to constantly strive for a moving target and you and that's never, what it was. It you was never a moving hit target. it then I what never. are you gonna do yeah and so while it like i i don't make excuses for it because as a parent i'm like i can't do shit like that to my kid i poof but i also understand that i have way more support than you ever did when i was younger when it came to like family support mm-hmm. and mine is not even necessarily actual family like most of my support comes from Haley, her family, like the adopted family I've built. Yeah, right. But we were so isolated when I was younger. I remember like you and, and mom both didn't really have any friends. And it didn't help that we moved to Aberdeen of all places. Sorry yeah, no, you, that's true. But like, but that's, you know what? that's a terrible place. Part of not having the friends is I'm an introvert yeah. by nature. So doing a lot of social stuff is just not in my wheelhouse. But whenever I would make a friend, she would accuse me of cheating. And then it's like, you just, after a while of being accused of cheating, and it wasn't necessarily because I made friends that were a girl, women, mm-hmm. they could be, I could go ha- want to go hang out with a guy, but because I, what, oh, you must be cheating. Like what? And then so, but you, that also speaks to insecurities and mental things that haven't been addressed on her side and things that she really should have worked on as well, a person on her own. And then you had those exact same things where you had sure. your own situations. And it was just like a perfect storm of competing mental illnesses and competing egos and no communication. That is a perfect summation of mm-hmm. that whole situation. Yep. <laughs> Lately, TikTok has been calling me out by telling me that I can't logic away my trauma. Me. And I'm like, fucking try me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so going back, now that now that we talked about mosquitoes and you find it. Yeah. So is there any way that you can save the world without wiping out mosquitoes? I mean, I have some ideas for what I would do if I became like the ruler of the world. But as far as any solid ideas on how to fix things currently, not after completely shutting down my mosquito idea. I think we'll save the the ideas for ruling the world for another episode. Okay. Because I have fantasized about that. And so I can <laughs> talk about that. Okay. Um, Hell yeah. But solving I'll today's... I'll think about it more because every time I've written anything on that list, it's been very like a nonsensical thought in my head. I'm like, you know what? If I was the empress of the world, this is what I would do. And I think most people would agree. I do have one that I know would be like very controversial, but I don't give a fuck. I'll be honest. I'll see something happen in, in real life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I was in charge, this is how I would do it. And all of a sudden my brain's off for the next like 15 <laughs> minutes, 20 minutes. Just now I'm yeah. setting it up like, okay, in order to do this, I would have to do this. And then I'd have to do this to make sure this happened. And my mm-hmm. brain's like planning this out. And then I eventually go, I'm not in charge of the world. Why am I spending this much yeah. time on it? But um, we'll definitely do an episode on that because I could talk to that. Okay. This not- has been an, an emotional roller coaster ever episode. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Like so, so no, in a way, I'm sorry that I lobbed a missile into your idea. Okay. <laughs> But at the same time, welcome to my life. This is what it's always been like. <laughs> you guys are getting a clue as to how every time I get an idea, I am as a father. Every time I get an idea, something comes out of left field, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, now that I have new information, but a motivational thing, not necessarily motivational, but a TikTok I saw that was very helpful to me was that you're not stupid for not knowing something already. 
That's true. And because a lot of the time, if I'm learning something new and I don't immediately just have the information, I apologize for asking questions. I'm like, sorry, that's a dumb question. And people are always like, no, it's okay. Ask all the questions you have, you know, because you don't already know. And I always still feel guilty that I have to ask for more clarification or I have to, that I need more to understand. But I think asking for clarification is good. I also think that the only dumb question is the one you already know the answer to. So I know two plus two is four. So if I go, I still use the calculator for it to be sure because sometimes I don't trust myself. You never know in this day and age. But no. So if I ask you what two plus two is and you say four, mm-hmm. that's a dumb question. You know what's interesting though? Now, that's operating off of the assumption that every single person has the same base knowledge. Okay. But again, if, if, if a human has never been taught that two plus two equals See, four, that's what I was going to say. A toddler comes up and asks what two plus two is. Or an adult. He has no basis. Okay. How did you make it to adulthood not it's knowing two plus two is countries. four? They don't have school and oh, good like point. easily Fair. access education. Fair. That so was me and my... Imagine you're talking to someone like you're on vacation somewhere and you're talking to a native who hasn't gone to school and you're like, what's two plus two? And this guy and this human just looks at you like they have no idea what you're talking about. They, they don't know. They've never been taught. It's not that they're stupid. They just simply don't have that information. If they say, I don't know, I've never been taught that, I can totally respect that. But if I go, what's two plus two? And they go, the gods will give us rain. I'm going to be like, see, no, I'm not <laughs> respecting you. a math question with that? you didn't know the answer and you tried to BS me. That's what that is. So, no, I don't. <laughs> but, I mean, if you've never been taught two plus two, it's yeah. four. Maybe, maybe you try to supply an answer and the answer is God supplies rain. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe in a, on another planet, that's the answer. Yeah. Maybe two plus two equals four only applies to Earth. But see, that's what I, I, I've actually been thinking a lot about alternate universes and like parallel universes and that's also part of the reason why i always use a calculator even if i think i know because i'm like what if i somehow magically end up in an alternate universe where numbers work differently because again everything that exists in this world was made up by humans and we and are going to do upon by other humans sure and we are going to do an episode of about alternate universes oh i actually have so an experience with that but yeah but it'll be fun we'll put yeah. it on the list i love it Okay, uh, anything else you want to... I I guess just stick stickers to things. I don't know where we landed about the rocks. I personally have been working on that trauma and trying not to make myself personally responsible for other people's emotions. And I still collect rocks. I don't think that's ever going to stop. Um, do you see a therapist? I Actually, you know what? I'm end not of, saying this like no, I know. to be... In the end of March, I had a... a session with my therapist and she actually told me that she's like i think you're good i mean unless you feel like you need something or need help i think you're good you don't regularly need to see me do and you then literally tell her this two days later gus died <laughs> okay and i'm like that's great timing i haven't talked to her about the whole rock theory but yes i did talk to her about that and we did talk to her about fawning because it's a symptom of ptsd for me i think Maybe when she tells you that, she's just being nice. She's like, you're way too crazy for me. I asked her. Just, uh, I directly asked her. And she laughed and she said, no, I think you're wonderful and I love the way your brain works. Well, so. nobody wants to tell their I mean, patient that's fair. you're <laughs> effing crazy. And then they I come to really the really like it if you did not change and... the narrative in my head that my therapist <laughs> likes me. Let's just keep it the way that it is. I'm sure your therapist <laughs> likes you. I'm sure it's okay, but... It's also me just being like, ah, maybe, yeah. you know. I don't know. I think she's pretty cool. She just doesn't want you to come up. 
chewed up her office. That's why she's being so nice. It's all been video chat. I don't know where the hell she is. People can find out that information these days. I hope your How therapist. Would I, find her? <laughs> I hope your therapist listens to this and can breathe a sigh of relief. You know what? I might email her about it and be like, "Hey, so I mentioned you in episode whatever this is, and we talked about therapy." You know what's really going to happen? Your therapist, if she chooses to listen to this episode, is going to listen to this, and she's just going to be like, "Your dad has issues." Or she's going to be like, oh, all, all the things Rhiannon told me make sense. <laughs> she's going to be like, um, give your dad my number. Yeah. I'd like to set up an appointment with him right. before he decides to shoot up a McDonald's. So, yeah. Um, which is not something to joke about. So Yeah, no. So to recap, um, don't do that to McDonald's. Don't shoot up anything unless it's a gun rage and you're being safe. Be nice to rocks. Stick stickers to things. Be kind to yourself. Be patient. And I hope you have the week you deserve. Also, don't kill pregnant mosquitoes. I'm still out on that one. All right. Well, that's it. Have a week. This has been another episode of Tricky Fish. If you enjoyed what you heard and want more of it, you can follow us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Please leave us a review as that really helps us out. You can find us at trickyfishpodcast.com as well as on Twitter at trickyfishpod. 